I was going to sing a song, but I've already sang and sang and sang, so I'm not going to sing no more. I, uh, I want to get into the Word of God, and uh, I'm so thankful. Last week, I taught on the tongue and, um, and the power that it possesses. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. And um, the effects such as our destiny, others' destinies, the advancement of the will of God, and even our own salvation is validated initially and effectually by what we confess. Because Romans 10, 9, and 10 speaks that. What you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And what you speak, I can tell you, whether you're speaking life or you're even speaking death, I'm going to tell you that there's power in those words. There's power. You can raise up, I'm sorry, edify and build up your children or you can tear them down with your tongue. You can build up your wife or husband or you can tear them down with your tongue. There's life or death in the power of the tongue. We learned last week that the heart is the tree and the tongue is the fruit of that tree. And also, uh, tonight, I just I have such a strong conviction to teach this, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Psalms 119.11 says, and David recorded it, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That tells me something, that all teaching uh, from the word of God and everything we read in the word of God that we learn is preemptive. In other words, uh, reading the Word of God, we hide it in our heart. Before we get to the place to where we're going to be tempted by sin, and then if you'll do that, you'll not sin against God. If that's in your heart. I know there's people that know the Word front and back and they still do that, but I'm going to say to you that you're going to have a greater chance or a greater a propensity to not sin against God when the Word of God is hid in your heart. Because when it's hid there, you'll not sin against God. And there's a, it's preemptive, which means it's a preliminary act before something worse happens. When you think about a preemptive act of a government or a nation that goes against another nation in war, they take a preemptive attack. Putin took a preemptive attack, and now we see what's happening. The, 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 the whole world is turned upside down, and they don't even know what to think or to do, and everybody's scared to death. But I can tell you something, that whenever we begin to read the Word of God, and we hide that in our heart, His Word in our heart, the devil starts getting nervous. Amen. Because, you know, he can come to you, and just like with Christ, if you have that word hidden in your heart, he'll not find a place in you. That's why we need, that's why we need to know the word of God, because it affects what we speak. Amen? If the word is hidden in your heart, you have a greater possibility for victory, because it gives faith and godly fear or instruction, and it puts it in your heart, and, and, and it ultimately you know, influences your decisions and your choices. This is more needed concerning the tongue than anywhere else or anything else, I should say. Uh, And so I just want to pray over the Word and then we're going to get right into this. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank You for this time to get into Your Word and to break open the bread of life. And I pray tonight 
that you've already prepared our hearts to receive. And I pray that you will bring the precious anointing upon my life, God, and begin to absolutely possess me, Lord, I pray, with your spirit. God, that I'll speak what you would have me to speak, that it'll be life, but God, it'll also be instruction and direction, and God, it'll bring faith, and it'll bring hope, and it'll bring a challenge to us, God, to make sure we're very responsible and very careful to guard our tongue before we speak. And I ask your blessing upon this. Help me tonight. Surface everything. Let them hear you. Let me hide behind the cross, and God, minister to our lives and our hearts in Jesus' Jesus most holy name. Amen. I want to just say before I get into this scripture, because God just laid it upon my heart, everything that is taught from the word of God is because God loves us. The love of the Father is for us to grow and be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, it's the love of God. So when I teach this, I don't want you to take it as a, a, a rigid, uh, you know, a, a rigid exhort or a rigid rebuke because it's not that at all. It's an exhortation of love to teach us to put a stay on our mouths and to be careful what we speak because our words have consequences, good or bad. Amen? Now, in our opening text, James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation for in many things we offend all and if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body I want to stop for just a moment because I'm going to go verse by verse here in the beginning and just say that it's very interesting that chapter 2 speaks about the works and not profession or what you speak, but chapter 3 speaks of and teaches us that our words do indeed carry great consequences. Because did he not say in the second chapter, he said, you know, that faith without works is dead. So it's not just what you speak, it's what you do and who you are. And what you, you know, produce as a work or a deed or a life, if you will. You know, a fruit from your life. But that does not, you know, discount or negate the fact that what we speak is very important too. Amen. And he, he begins to, to speak that in chapter 3. And I think it's so awesome because God is not imbalanced in any area. Do you hear me? He's not imbalanced. In fact, the Bible says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So you can preach on hell and dangle people over hell every week as a pastor or a preacher and never preach love, and that's an imbalance. You can preach only love and never tell people that there's a life a separation in their life. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You can only preach love and that's an imbalance because everybody needs to be balanced in their truth or in the word of God and the truth needs to be spoken on both sides of the pendulum there. And so uh, God's not imbalanced is what I'm saying. Now verse 1, he says, Be aware that the teachers of the word receive greater condemnation for what they speak when it's heresy or false. If you're speaking truth in life, you're all right. But there is a possibility, you know, if you speak for a living or you teach as a Bible teacher or preacher, that you're liable to say something that you would go home and say, I wish I wouldn't have said that. There have been times I thought I wished I would not have said it just like that. I wish I would not have brought it up just like that, you know. Um, 
And so uh, he's, that's the very first thing that he speaks here in, in James chapter 3, verse 1. In verse 2 he says, We offend in all things, but if you offend not in word, you are a person of great spiritual obedience and able to bridle or rein the whole body. You're able to rein in that whole body if you bring that tongue under subjection. That is a huge scripture concerning victory in our life. Amen? I'm telling you, as the Word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks also by the disciplines of our tongue. You possess a great evidence of bringing your whole body under subjection. And James calls it being a perfect man. In verses 3 through 8, I want to read that. He says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth or the director of uh, the, the ship turns it. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and things in the, in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now let me just break this down for us here a little bit tonight. There are four natural illustrations of the manifestation of the tongue. And let me just take a commercial break here for a second and say this. Stay here with me because I want to deal with the possibility of the tongue being used in the negative for evil. And then I want to bring us into and close out in a glorious thought of how that we can, the tongue can be used to bring glory to God and to see great things come to pass before us and in our life. Okay? But there are four natural illustrations of the manifestation of the tongue in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. He gives the illustration of a horse that's bridled, a ship that can be steered, or a ship that has a helm, a steering mechanism in it to direct it, a fire, and a poison, a deadly poison. And I thought about this, and I just the Lord just began to just bring some thoughts to my mind. A horse represents something of great physical strength. It's amazing how a bridle, a small three-pound bridle, can be put into a horse's mouth, or maybe a five-pound bridle, can be put into a horse's mouth that weighs 1,500 to 2,000 pounds. And it can bring that horse that is of brute strength and force under subjection. Amen. Unless you, you've never been around horses, I don't know if you have or you haven't, but they don't like the bridle in their mouth. They don't like the spurs, and they don't like the bridle in their mouth. It's a painful thing. But they are brought under subjection because of that bridle. We can speak words that cut to the heart and can destroy or kill a person. 
The ability to manipulate or deceive with clever or intelligent devices is frightening. Jezebel in the Bible, through great influence and manipulation, destroyed uh, Naboth. Amen. I almost said Haman. But Naboth. And I just want to speak to you to, 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 to think about this for just a moment. However, a spiritual person can subdue their tongue by the power of the Holy Ghost and bring what would be considered brute strength by their ability to speak or say things. And I'm going to tell you there are people that they can talk. That's, they're called attorneys. And they can sway people. There can be a person sitting there that is guilty of sin. But they can sway a jury through their ability to manipulate the situation or the circumstances of the case. A person can speak things and they can change the trajectory of somebody's life. And so what am I saying to you? That we need to be people that even though we may have a, a, a physical strength about us or a mental strength in the words that we say, we need to put a bridle on that because we can be destructive. And what God is saying is that there is a possibility to bring everything under subjection by the power of the Holy Ghost. The second example was a ship that's controlled by a small helm. And I found it interesting that as unstable as water is, a helm can still direct a ship into, into the harbor. I've been on a sea dew. And I can tell you that you can turn that thing and it'll go where you want it to go. But if you just let it go, it can be very, very, uh, you know, scary at times too. Because you step the wrong way. That water's so unstable. But with, with that helm there or that steering mechanism, you can direct that thing. And I know that, you know, you can crack a ship open or a boat open if you run it into the deck. To, or, or you know into shore too hard but I also know that you can direct that thing and turn it what God is saying to us and I found it interesting like I said that as unstable as water is that that helm can still direct a ship into harbor that ship can be shipwrecked by a poor use of the steering helm or it can be steered in the right direction life has situations and circumstances that are out of our control Amen? But that instability doesn't have to control us. Jesus did still walk on the water. That which was unstable, He walked on top of. So, if, amen. <laughs> yeah, that came from Skiles, from the Holy Ghost. So if the, if, the, if, the, if the Spirit of God or the Christ, the Anointed One, dwells within us and is, is, is in us, the, the instability of life and circumstances do not have to dictate our direction. Amen? 
Just because the world may be falling apart, that doesn't have to affect us. Amen? I'm not going to be, you know, uh, governed or influenced in a negative way to bring unbelief by what's going on in the world. And it is a very strong influence. But you and I can know today that when we put our faith and trust in God, though it may be an unstable world we live in, where there's no security and it seems like where are we headed? What's the future look like? I can tell you, I don't know about the future, but I know this much. I know my future's in His hands. Amen? I know who holds my future. Hallelujah! And as unstable as that water is, as unstable as the world is, put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. He will be a rock. He'll turn that water into a rock. Amen? He'll turn it into a solid foundation He can walk on top of. You and I tonight have to be settled in that life may bring those situations but Christ can walk on top of the storm and on top of the sea our tongues can control physical strength and control the course of our lives in spite of unstable circumstances a fire was the third uh, illustration which may only only be a spark but a spark can start a forest fire thousands upon thousands sometimes hundreds of thousands of acres have been absolutely destroyed by a spark. It's called a prideful boaster, is what it says in the Word. Or a world of iniquity that defiles the whole body and is straight from the pit of hell. Gossip is from hell. Gossip is from hell. And you and I need to not only not speak about people and gossip about them, but we also need to never let our ears become trash cans to hear what other people have to say. Listen, I know there's times you have to talk things out. There's times people come to me as a pastor. You you, you talk to people about things, but it's the Spirit. I can tell Whenever I've said something that God says you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have went that far, there's times that you, you have to discuss things. I get that. Everything is not gossip. Sometimes it's just dialogue that has to be spoken and discussed. But the fact of the matter is this. There are times whenever it is, and that is something that God hates. It's a, it's a world of iniquity. And it, it, it defiles the whole body and is straight from the pit of hell. It's hell. Any word spoken that would tear someone down or cast a shadow over their life or be intent on, in, on besmirching someone's character is from hell. Lies are from hell. Amen. Be careful before you start repeating something, especially when you didn't hear it from the person that it was said about. Amen. God hates it. The fourth illustration was a deadly poison. The tongue can be used as a lethal poison to infect the mind and alter it by changing your feeling or attitude or respect towards someone that you had a, a, a good attitude, a good feeling, and a great respect for before. There's an influence there that will come, and that's a lethal, deadly poison. Someone said when a person tries to negatively... Listen, I'm getting ready to load the gospel gun here. Someone said, and it's true, when a person tries to negatively change someone's opinion 
about another person, it's witchcraft. It's a lethal poison. And that's what witches do. A lethal poison. And it would behoove us to be very careful what we say about someone else. Amen? I had a few people in my 32 years of being a Christian in church and out of church set out to influence me strongly to change my heart about how I felt towards somebody. And let me tell you, I have one word for it. It's demonic. It's demonic. In verses 9 through 10, 10, James says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, or in the likeness and the image of God. We can curse men by what we say and what we do not say. How do you curse them by what you do not say, Pastor? We leave them under the curse of sin by not speaking truth and life to them. Amen. So many lives depend on what we say. We sing that song, so many lives depend on what we do, but so many lives depend on what we say and what we do not say. Amen. I remember years ago, Bertha Niaves, when she came to church here, she said, I remember sitting, uh, standing at the bus stop with my kids to go to junior high. And she said, I remember there were women that came and they would speak to the women. They were from a church locally. I couldn't tell you where it was. I have, that's really uh, immaterial but, and not important. But she said there was two or three or four other mothers there. And they would go up and they were passing out flyers. And they, they were talking to them about God. And she said, I would stand there. I stood there. And I remember thinking, I just hope one of them comes over and talks to me. I just, I, she said, I was so hungry for God and I needed God. And she said, they walked right past me. They never even told me about Jesus. And um, that, that stuck with me. Because what we do is a lot of times, and this is, really doesn't have anything to do with the tongue so much and what we speak, is that sometimes we're intimidated by what people's external externality okay and we cannot be we've got to you'll talk to my son and those that go on the street ministry you have to approach everybody because you never know you never know what how a person's going to respond and you cannot look at their externality and say ah they're not going to want god you have prejudged what god planned on doing amen and you, we can't do that. I'm reminded of a, a, of a man that was in a gang and there was two gangs coming together to fight. And, and there was a, a, a young preacher and, and the Spirit of God told him, I want you to go in the middle of that fight and I want you to, in the middle of those groups, the, the two groups as they were arguing and they were getting ready to engage in a fight. And he said, I want you to go up to the ringleader and say, you need God like that. And, and, and he said, Lord, I can't do that. Look at him he's liable to shoot me he's liable to kill he could have all them men jump on me you know and 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 he said he said I told you to do it for you not to do it would be to disobey me and he said I just paced and paced and finally I walked over in the middle of their argument in the middle of their 
you know, fight that was getting ready to take place. And he said, I looked at the ringleader, the man that was the head and the shot caller, and he said, I looked and pointed him right in his face, and I said, you need God, sir. And he said, he stood there, and he said he began to weep and break down. Changed the whole atmosphere. All those men were standing there looking at him, what's this guy crying for? God just loves to step in and surprise the situation. Amen. And, and, and he stood there and he cried. And he said, he said, about that time, he said, the Spirit of God come upon him. And he said, you got a mother that's praying for you. Oh, he broke. He began to really break. He said, yes. He said, you got a mother. And he said, today she told me, son, you need God. If you don't surrender your life to God, you're going to die. Amen. You're going to die and split hell wide open. And I'm telling you this in love. You need God. And you need to surrender your life. And he said, because the Spirit of God come upon me. And I spoke that to him. He got born again and became a glorious, beautiful Christian for the kingdom of God and for Jesus. Years ago when we started this church, we didn't have anybody here. We just wanted anybody that had a pulse. We had seven people. I always say it, me and Sister Skiles, Kyle and Cameron, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so we went out on the streets, and I went by myself oftentimes, and I was walking down the street with a man that was there with us. This was a little bit after we started. But there were three gang members sitting there, and they had leaning up against the wall there on California Street. And I walked right up to them, and I just began to preach to them, and I didn't care. I didn't know who they were. And one of them started laughing at me. The other just kind of shook his head. But I kept preaching. I told him, you guys need the Lord. I said, I preach in the prisons. And I just began to tell him, I don't want you to end up there. I don't want you to die and go to hell. You need Christ in your life. And I watched them as they just began to sink down and they knelt down it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life the power of God and just like that the spirit of God spoke to me and he said the only thing that will break them down is the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and I've given you a tongue of fire they will not submit to anybody they will not but he said they'll not humble themselves but the spirit of God makes every knee bow and every tongue confess. That one man was sitting there, tears streaming down his face. You know, I gave him a flyer. I never saw him after that. I had people come up to me and they said, are you nuts? I said, what are you doing? You can't talk to those guys like that. I said, the only way you can is if the Holy Ghost anoints you. And he gives you a tongue to speak. Amen. Oh, let me get back to my message here. On the tongue. The power of it. My God, he said, he said in the word, we can curse men by what we say and what we do not say. We must say it. We must speak it. We can leave them under the curse of sin by not speaking truth and life. So many lives depend on what we do and what we say. I want to shift gears here for just a minute and go a little deeper concerning our speech towards God. And we all need to ask this question. Is our speech a blessing to God? He said, therewith we curse men and therewith we bless God. Actually, he said we bless God and curse men with that same mouth. But I just want to take that one little section of Scripture and ask that question. 
Is our speech a blessing to God? I want you for just a second to think about your relationship with God, your interaction, your worship, your prayer life, your communion with God. You know, is it vain repetition or is it, you know, heartfelt? You can be repetitive so long as you're not in vain. So long as it's not vain. I repeat a lot of things that I pray, but it's not in vain. There have been times I've prayed before and God said, what? You've been here for 15 minutes. You've just been rambling. You don't even remember what you said. Don't tell me I'm the only one that's ever done that. Man, I had a man one time, he said, I was in prayer and he said, I fell asleep. Everybody thought he was laid out in the spirit. He was snoozing. (laughs) But is our speech a blessing to God? Is it full of faith and confidence in God? Is our praise and worship in spirit and in truth? Are we furthering the will of God by our speech, by our confessions, by our professions and our declarations? Are we furthering what God is doing in the kingdom of God? I want to read a scripture to you, and I know it's getting a little bit late, but I want to finish this tonight before we go. In in, uh, Numbers chapter 13, I want you to turn there with me. Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to read this very quickly here. And then we'll get on with the remainder of this this message here. But in Numbers chapter 13 verse 17, the Bible says this. And this was whenever Moses was told to pull somebody from every tribe to go in to be a spy into the promised land and to bring back a report. And the Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 13, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they they be that dwell that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as man as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron and, and all these other places. Amen. <laughs> and the Bible says, I, I, I want to finish reading here. And the Bible says in verse 23, And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch, branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranate and the figs, and the place was called the brook of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So they went over there as spies, 40 days, uh, 12 of them, they come back, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word. Get that word from their mouth unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, that is a word of unbelief. Now I know the first thing somebody's going to say is, What about 
what Jesus said in the garden. It's one thing if you say, nevertheless, I want to do your will. It's another thing if you say, nevertheless, we can't do your will. Okay? Yeah. They said, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled. In other words, he stopped them. He, he said, hey, hey, hold on here just a second. They're talking defeat, 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 defeat. And speaking unbelief. And he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. He spoke with faith. He spoke with purpose and destiny. He spoke and he said, We're able. In other words, everything that they said is null and void. We're able to go up and take the land. I'm talking about the tongue that can speak life or speak death can speak blessing or speak curse, can speak something that will be fruitful and that will fulfill the will of God or leave you at a place of mediocrity and behind or, or living beneath what God has promised us. And he said, we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. They may be stronger than we, but they're not stronger than thee. That's one thing we got to remember. It's not in our power and our strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith, by thy spirit saith the Lord. It's God, amen, that wills and to do, wills and does of his perfect will in our life. He's the one that's working, he's the one that's able to do it. That's why David said, You come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. It's not even this swing and this stone. It's the power behind the stone. Amen. That was the first bullet, amen, ever created that day, I believe. And it shot right into the head of Goliath and it took him out. Are you hearing me? But he said, Caleb said, we are able. But the men that went with them, the ten, said, we are not able and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there, were, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And listen to what took place when they began to speak the evil un report of unbelief and fear. And the Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. You can bring rejoicing, or you can bring weeping. Now, if God anoints you to preach, He may do one, of the, one or the other. But if God does it, it's one thing. But whenever we are supposed to bring back a report of hopefulness and possibility in God, you see that that didn't happen here. The congregation was deflated. God had brought them out of Egyptian bondage 
with great power and great deliverance. They crossed the Red Sea. And now they're questioning whether or not they can go into the land. And they haven't even seen it. They're just going off of the word of other people that spoke it. You see how powerful your words are. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, We would that God had died. We would that, that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. My Lord in heaven, I'd rather die trying to see the promise of God take place than to die in what I know was never a life or never a blessing in the first place. Amen. You know, sometimes I wonder why people continue to go back to the same things they've done before. Whether it be a relationship or whether it be drugs or whether it be alcoholism or whether it be something else, they go back to those things thinking that it's going to be different this time. It's not. God wants to take you into the promised land. He wants to take us into a place that, that, that we begin to see the goodness of God, the blessedness of God. But they, they begin to speak this. And the Bible says, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into, G into Egypt. They said, What we need is a new pastor. Amen. Amen. There's churches that, I can tell you, it better not be this one. Amen. But they think, you know, everything would be better if we just had a change in leadership and a change in pastorate. Sometimes that might be the case, but I can tell you, sometimes it's just people do not want to be provoked or be led or be, you know, challenged and influenced to step out in faith. So they said, you know what? It's not me. It's him. It's the leader. It's the pastor. No, it's us. Amen. Because you know, a lot of times people say, oh, I'll just go to another church. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sometimes God does lead you to another church. Sometimes he moves you and changes you and, and your location. And that's fine. I think that's great. I, I, you know, it's happened to all of us at one time or another. But when you've been to 15 churches in four years, it's not the preacher. It's not the church. It's you. It's us. I had somebody, you know, they wanted to be in a place of leadership. And w w their biggest mistake, and I'm glad that it wasn't a mistake to me. It was discernment. But they're, they're, what put the death knell in their coffin that they would never do anything here is that they started telling me of all the churches that they had been to within the last 15 years. I worked here and I did this and I was on staff here and I did this. And I thought, I started counting. I thought, man, that's a lot of churches. You know, I mean, I've, I've been serving God for 32 years and I've only been to, to three before. You know, and, and I was six years and three years and one year when I first got saved. But I've been here as a pastor for 22 years, heading towards 22 and a half. Amen. Praise God. But, you know, all I'm saying to you is that whenever they said that to me, I said, uh-huh, I know exactly what you are. Amen. It was, you know, I, I just, I go here and I go here and I go here and I go here. And I said, you need to bloom where you're planted. 
They that be planted in the house of the Lord. God knows. And He's talking to us. He's teaching us. And, uh, you know, all I can tell you is this, that you're not going to produce fruit if you're constantly uprooted. Nothing that's transplanted 15 times is going to live. Amen. But He goes on to say here, in verse 5, the Word of God says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Because all they heard was unbelief and, 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 and a... A accusation towards God. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jif, however you say it, amen, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the the people of the land, for they are bread for us. We'll eat them up. He said, Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. In other words, they got mad. Amen. Not only do we want to get rid of the preacher and have a new captain over us, but we don't like you that were behind him. We don't like you either. Amen. And they bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Thank God the Spirit of God shows up in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be before they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? The Bible says, and I just want to read the 27th verse. He says, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. And he said, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken. Are you hearing that? Because we're talking about, are we a blessing to the Lord? I'm going to tell you, we're a blessing to the Lord whenever we begin to speak and operate in faith. Are you hearing me? And, and what, what, what as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein, except, save, except Caleb the son of Jephthunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. He begins to speak unto them. Israel stifled the plan of God. But God's perfect will was put on hold because of the spoken report of fear and unbelief. And they received according to their faith and confession. You hear it me? God responds to faith, period. Period. I was reading that and I thought, Lord, we can speak and say you are able. Or we can speak defeat and say you are not able. He is able to heal our situations. He is able to restore. And we need to believe that. And ultimately, maybe the outcome will not be exactly like we had thought it would be. But the most important thing is that we believed God and God's perfect will comes to pass. Amen. 
You know, I was thinking about this today. There were three lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7. And they said in the midst of the famine, why sit we here until we die? They will either save us and help us or they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. And they acted in faith, church. And faith and that spoken confession of faith caused God to act. When you act, God acts. Amen. For the Lord, he said, in the word of God had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, and they fled, thinking the Hittites and the Egyptians had come upon them. Our tongue is the great secure of blessing, of the blessings of God and His grace. Yes, sir. They said, why are we going to sit here? Here's three lepers in the midst of a famine. And just that day, the, the prophet began to speak, and he said God's going to rain down a blessing of bread he's going to rain down and this famine is going to be subdued he's going to feed my people or feed Israel and the the man that leaned on uh, you know the, the, the man that leaned on the king's side or whatever however you want to say it he said oh he said if God opened up heaven it wouldn't happen he said you'll see it but you'll never partake of it in other words you'll you, you will see as God begins to pour out his blessing but you'll never be a part of it because of what you're speaking what I'm trying to say to you tonight is our tongue amen can speak life our tongue can speak tremendous blessing our tongue can speak and the destiny of God in our life and others begins to unfold amen if we'll step out in faith if we'll speak it in faith and they said why do we sit here until we die why are we going to sit here till we die. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of times people sit in church and they sit in the congregation and they don't come to the altar. They don't make their way towards God and they don't ever see God move in their lives miraculously. Because they say, I'm just going to sit here till I die. They don't ask that question. Why am I sitting here till I die? I'd rather get up and try Jesus. Well, you don't try God, but you step out in faith and you come and you let God do something. He, he, he responds to faith. And I love that. I love that our tongue begins to speak words of faith. And that's exactly what happened. I was thinking about this tonight. I was thinking about this tonight. The angel of the Lord, the angel of God told Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. In other words, what you've been speaking in the privacy of your intimate time with me, Cornelius, God is recorded. Amen. God is hearing. This is what I'm trying to convey to you tonight and say there are, there, 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 what we speak to God is it a blessing to Him. Because I can tell you what's spoken in private He rewards openly. Amen. We're getting ready to see this, this door open up. It's already opened up. But taking on more space. Taking on, you know, a greater increase and enlarge, 
investment in our church and what we need in this hour because of what people have prayed in the privacy. What I've prayed, my wife's prayed, my kids have prayed, you have prayed, my leaders have prayed. God is opening the door, church. Let me tell you what we've spoken in prayer. God is bringing to pass. Hallelujah. And he said what Cornelius is praying, his alms and his worship, they're coming up as a memorial, man. I'm telling you, God hears it. God hears you when you pray. What you're speaking, don't come before God and just speak all the negative things. Why does it have to be this way? God, why does somebody else have to be blessed and me have to struggle? God, why all of this? God doesn't want to hear your negativity. He wants to hear you speak in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 To speak faith. Amen. God, I know that my loved one may not be serving you, but I'm going to pray. You're not willing that any would perish, but you are going to bring them, God. I ask you, God, in faith. I come in faith. I don't come in negativity. I don't come in unbelief, but I step out in faith. I'm praying in faith. Save them. They will be saved in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus. God gives us that. He said, Cornelius, what you've been speaking has been a blessing to me. Oh, he didn't say that, Pastor. He said it's a memorial. I'm going to tell you, when God begins to respond to faith and what he's seen in your life, it's a blessing to him. Amen. He's speaking. And he said, Cornelius, your alms, your prayers, they're a memorial. I love it. Did he not say, Ananias, go to the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus. He's at a place, street called Straight, in a house. And he said, behold, he's praying. Hallelujah. I'm looking down there and I'm listening to him. Oh, he's crying out. Hallelujah. He's crying out. He's crying out. He's crying out to God. He's crying out. He's praying. Behold, he prays. And oh, Ananias, you know, like everybody else, well, don't you know the kind of person he is? He said, I know exactly what he is. I know exactly who he is, and I know exactly what he's going to become. Amen. I know exactly what he's going to become. He's going to become somebody, amen, that is going to be used. He's going to suffer great things, but he's going to be used for the kingdom of God greatly. He's going to bring great glory to God. He's going to be a person that it's going to be used to, 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 to begin to, 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 to lead the church and establish the church. And I'm going to give him revelation. I know I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, he's going to give him revelation to things concerning grace and end times and all kinds of truths. And he was saying unto him, go, lay your hand upon him. Amen. Behold, he's praying. He's praying. Amen. Cornelius is praying, Peter. Hallelujah. Here's a wonderful, beautiful man of God that's speaking and God is listening. So it's the things that you're saying a blessing to God? Is your worship a blessing to God? Is your prayers going to bring to pass the greatest destiny that God has for your life? Are you hearing me? I love it. 
I love it. Because the Bible says, oh, i got to close with this. And I'm going to close. I promise you. I promise you. The Bible says in Acts 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And of course, he told him what to do. And I love this scripture. The Bible says when those men came and Peter began to go with them to Cornelius' house in verse 34... The Bible says, verse 33, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth. You know, we open our mouth a lot of times when we don't need to. But when the Holy Ghost has sent you somewhere and filled you, You need to open your mouth. He said, And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And he begins to tell him, Even though you're a Gentile and not a Jew, God will still save you. He showed me. He's not prejudiced. That's done away with at Calvary. And I love this in verse 44. The Bible says, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Are you hearing me tonight? Listen, what am I saying to you? Oh, what an eternally tremendous blessing a tongue used by God God to speak can do. I was sitting at the table there putting my message together and writing all these things down. And as I began to read that scripture, the Spirit of God came upon me. I began to pray in the Spirit. God was simply saying to me, He said, go and preach it to that church. Tell them tonight that that tongue can be used to be a tongue of fire. Amen. It can destroy somebody's life or it can be used to bring life to somebody. Amen. It can bring the fire of the Holy Ghost to somebody or it can destroy their life. Let them open their mouths and be used for me. Amen. Let their words be spoken that change a life. Well, we all excited here tonight. I said, no, I'm ready to go home. You know, this just goes to show us How life can be imparted and a life can be forever altered and the very trajectory is set in motion. Where it goes is set in motion by what we speak. The line of development or direction of a moving object is forever established. We need to know God is saying to us, I want you to bless me with your mouth. I want the words you preach to be a blessing. Amen. 
Hallelujah. I want you to be so walking with me that the words that you speak are only the words that I would have you say. Amen. Because one day we're going to give every account for every idle word that was spoken. Everything you said. Oh, I don't even want to be there. I'm like, Lord, can I skip that part? I know he's forgiven us and we're not going to be judged, you know, for our sins. And that's a sin a lot. I tell you, this tongue has sinned a lot. But I'm grateful that I hear the word that he tells me. You know what, Jonathan? I'm preaching this and I'm teaching, having you teach us because I want people to realize this right here is so, my goodness, it's so powerful. And the negative, the evil, or the good and the positive, and the powerful. Oh, let it be us. Let it be us. My God in heaven. Does our tongue need healing? Some of us, yes. Most of us, yes. Amen. That's why he fills with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues so he can possess that tongue. Amen. And if you say, I speak in tongues, but you're the worst gossip, gossip in the church, then you need to come and get another dip at Calvary. You need to come down and really get filled with the Holy Ghost because when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you right now, you, you want to be holy. Do you hear me? You want to be holy. Amen. Amen. You want to be holy. There's not a time that, that I don't say something, that Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost says, Jonathan, you should have never said that. Even sometimes before I begin to speak it, I feel like, oh, I better just, ooh. Amen. That tongue, it could be so powerfully used. Amen. Mighty God, would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, I don't even know where to go tonight, Lord. I just trust you. I believe you tonight. Lord, I pray that what I've spoken, I've tried my very best tonight, Lord, to just speak what you would have me to say. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you, I pray that they'll know you before we leave this place. Father, I just ask you tonight, please help me. Lead me right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here tonight, church, in this place, and you're not where you need to be with God, I'm going to tell you what you need to do is you need to come and you need to pray and you need to ask God to forgive you. Ask Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, who died for your sins to come into your heart and change you. But it isn't going to happen by osmosis. It's going to happen by confession. By confessing your sins to God. By asking Him to come into your heart. By faith you believe in your heart. And you speak that to God. And that's the way you got to come. And I just encourage you tonight. Before we leave this place. If there's somebody here. You say, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not, you know, living for God. I, you know, Pastor, I've been, I've, I've just been out. I've been away. I'm not where I need to be. But tonight, I want God to change my life. That's you tonight. Tonight is your opportunity. Tonight, before we leave here. And I know it's getting late, but before we leave here, I would be absolutely out of the will of God for me not to give you this opportunity and so uh, for just a moment here, I want to open these altars before we leave. God has convicted you or dealt with you about something. I want to give you an opportunity to pray. And if you don't know Jesus, we want you to come. And we invite you to come to this altar. And I ask you 
to make things right with God in this house. Amen. Tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus.